Well, hi. How how are you? <laughs> I'm good. The energy is weird. The energy here. is weird because we just had like a business meeting. We just had a business meeting and also I slept all day and I'm on finals brain and I'm just like I'm just I'm just I'm in a place somewhere somewhere in a place that I am. And it's very I know. Weird. I had an exam on Friday and I have two exams on Wednesday. Um and so I'm in like uh, I haven't thought about anything but cranial nerves in days and I'm like nerves very in tired. your brain. Yeah, like nerve well the nerves coming from your brain. But I'm having a very hard time caring about them anymore. I'm quite sick of it. <laughs> Screw those cranial nerves. Who needs them? You do. We all do. Why do I do. need them? They do all What the do they things. do for me? What do they do for me? I mean a lot. Do you But what what good have they done for me? Do you like do you like seeing or hearing no. or tasting? No. What about them. managing your blood pressure them. or your digestion? I don't like my blood pressure. I wish it was gone. Okay. I went to the doctor the other day to take for them to take my seal my blood from me because um I'm on testosterone and so they have to check your blood every six months to make sure that like you're cool and whatever. And I went and they stole my blood and every single time they steal my blood, for some reason, they leave a horrible bruise. And that's what <laughs> I'm just, at, is I have a horrible bruise on my arm that looks they're just deeply like upsetting. Taking your blood? <laughs> I guess they're just bad at it because when mother when our mother saw it, she was like, Oh my God, what happened? And I was like, They took my blood and she was like, Well, what did they do that for? You got another vein right here that's just as good and then went on and started like poking at my veins and stuff. And I was like, Mom, why are you like this? And she was like, I was a phlebotomist. What can I say? So <laughs> I wanna know like actually how long she's a phlebotomist for because she doesn't have any like I've never heard an actual story. I've just heard like the fact that she is. And mom, yeah. I know you listen. Could you give us some more details? Because you just throw it in as a side note a lot of times. She tends to do that with all of her many, many jobs that she's had, her 32 jobs that she's had. There are very few stories that come from them so much as they are just sort of like tidbits of like, this is a thing that happened. You know, it's like trivia. it's like, I Yeah, it's trivia. Oh, I was a clown once. Oh, I was a piano teacher. That one was while I was alive. So actually, never mind. I was, you know, a waitress and stuff. Like, but never like one time when I was waitressing. Like, it's always just, I was a waitress or a yeah. hostess. That's what it was. Yeah. It's a fun me. fact about her. It's not a story of its own necessarily. Yeah. Um, so she was a phlebotomist, which is a fun word to say. But I agree. Like they also, that job like doesn't exist anymore. Well, why? Because we have other people that can do that job. You don't need like, one person whose only job is to draw blood. Wait, phlebotomists only drew blood? Yeah. I thought they were, there was just another word for the nurses. <laughs> no, you have to go to like college to be a nurse. Oh, well, I knew that, but I thought that, okay. No. Now I feel like everything <laughs> I know is wrong. Okay. No. Okay. Well, anyway, anyway how are you, this Marcy? Is, this is interesting. <laughs> I'm fine. Um, Like I said, School is hard. Um, I don't know how many of you out there are in or are considering medical school, um, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a good thing you like learning. It is a good thing I like learning. It's a good thing I like school, but I'm very ready for um, the semester to be over. I'm just like a little bit sick of what we're learning. Like I've just been learning one thing for too long and I'm just ready to like switch it up a little. Um, so the end of the been... semester feels exciting for me. Why have you been learning the same thing for so long? 
Um, because anatomy is a six month, not six month, it's a semester long class for us. Um, and I, I'm just, I'm just a little tired of it. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like you'd been learning about cranial nerves for like a month no. now or something. No, it feels like it. We actually have been learning about cranial nerves for like a month now, but, um, no, I'm just a little bit sick of anatomy. That's all. Not that I am very grateful that I'm able to do anatomy in person right now because, you know, the fact that we're able to do anything in person is like a blessing. Um, and we're all kept very safe. Um, I mean, we're all in like PPE when we do it. So it's okay. Um, uh-huh, you said PPE. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah. And so like I feel like a little I feel like a little baby like a whiny baby being like i'm tired of this when it's like a blessing that i get to leave my apartment to go to school in any capacity um but also like i think i am um very much interested in internal medicine and so this is just like kind of like oh that's neat there's a structure and then i'm like internal medicine yeah like medicine for your insides yeah (laughs) isn't most medicine for your in well i guess well Mm, yeah think about it there's a lot that's not (laughs) that's not the actual definition of internal medicine but i'm letting you run with it (laughs) okay (laughs) what's internal medicine Uh, it's actually like a very broad category um but like specifically i'm interested in being like a hospitalist so like the person who takes care of you when you go to the hospital and you get admitted um and so they don't do like surgery they interview patients and assign and you know give prescriptions and like manage care um like i'm not interested in being a surgeon so there's lots of different specialties and some specialties you can do of like kind of do a mix of getting to like interact with patients and also like do procedures and stuff um and i think this is just like oh yeah i already like knew i wasn't really interested in just like surgery or anything um not that anatomy lab is at all like surgery because if we did what we do to the cadavers to actual people they would be very dead um true <laughs> like we're not very True. gentle um but i think it was just c- confirming to me like the parts of school that i've been excited about have not have been very like physiology based and so that is more like that's like how the body works does that make sense yeah this is like not a very interesting conversation no i like it the point is i feel like a whiny baby complaining but i'm excited for the end of the semester i think all students are like that though like as much as you love school by the end of the semester you're ready for a break and that's just kind of where i'm at so Another thing, I don't know that this is true of of your experience, but for me, a thing that I only realized when I was like getting to this last two weeks, I didn't have a break at all until Thanksgiving. So my school, we were just going, 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 going. Okay, you have a little bit of a break. Okay, now do it again. And I, the idea of having to return to like synchronous classes after that Thanksgiving break, like... I could not handle it. I was like, absolutely not. I am done. And I didn't realize how much work I had been doing and how stressed I had been about the things that I was doing until I got like one little moment to breathe. And then I was like, you know what? Actually, I don't like this thing that we're doing. <laughs> I don't like yeah. the cr- I don't like the crunch time. Uh, that is just constant crunch. So that has been a weird part about this semester of course the only weird part as we all know there are no other strange things happening in our lives right now there's no, nothing else about the world currently is different than any other year that we have seen it 
Um, I mean, that's true, though. I've been feeling that um, our semester hasn't been affected that much um, because we have been able to do um, our labs in person and everything else can kind of be virtual. And there's some other things we're missing out on, but I'm a first year. And so I'm the like least affected I could be based on like my school's regular curriculum. But we have exams every like two and a half weeks. And each of these exams is the equivalent of like a midterm in undergrad. Jesus. And I'm just like tired, man. It's just exhausting. I'm just ready for a break. I'm just like tired of the um the cycle of studying. Of uh, I have one week where I feel like, okay, I'm kind of all right. And then the next week it's suddenly like, oh my God, this is the week before the exam. <laughs> it's just a const- constantly the week before the exam. It is. That's how it feels. It yeah. feels like it is legitimate. It like almost literally is half the time. It's like the week before the exam, it feels like. Um, and so I'm just like always stressed. But like also I'm the semester flew by and like I've learned an insane amount and I'm very impressed with myself because I did not know I could put this much information into my brain and it's really fun all in there I like it I mean I'm in the right place if I didn't like it that would be like a really bad sign (laughs) yeah um but I'm tired not that this is the same but I feel that way about writing where when I hate it like when I'm just like this is the worst this sucks okay I'm gonna keep doing it I'm like, boy, howdy, it sure is good that like I like doing this and that this is the thing that I want to be doing because you don't you don't write a book and then rewrite that book 25 times and then rewrite it another five times and then come back to it a month later and rewrite it another time. Like you don't do that if you're not like this is the thing that I want to be doing and that I am enjoying doing. Like sometimes I do it and I'm like, wow, I'm glad that I like this. Other people yeah. <laughs> would not like this. <laughs> I have that thought too. I've. I've many a time had had that thought where I'm like, thank God I enjoy this because otherwise this would be miserable and it kind of is miserable, but it's like ultimately okay. Yeah. And it's ultimately where you want to be. Yeah, that's fair. And where I wanted to be lately is playing Stardew Valley. So I was about to ask, what are the things that are getting you through all of it right now? And I should have known. You should have known it was Stardew Valley. That's all I've been doing. And I've been justifying it by saying that I'm letting myself... uh, refill the creative well because i turned in some book things ooh um right before my like finals crunch time started happening and so now i'm like just doing work and just playing stardew valley and so i'm like oh, it's fine because i'm letting myself be i'm letting myself refill the well or whatever which i don't really know what that means but i've just been doing it um, <laughs> people say that and i'm like sure okay so that's what I've been doing. What have you been doing? Um, I've been watching a lot of TV. I think it's funny. So at the very beginning of my semester, when we were hearing from like all of these older like upperclassmen who were giving us advice and stuff, they were like, don't be afraid. Like that was the big thing was like, don't be afraid to take breaks and like take care of yourself. And then people would say things like, you know, and make sure that like your breaks are meaningful. Like, you know, I found that like if I just sat there and watched TV or I was just on my phone, like that wasn't a meaningful break. And I was like, I love television. (laughs) (laughs) I love television. So and I my roommate this year, um, she's wonderful. I did not know her before moving in with her. We were complete strangers and it worked out great. But she is she like watches a lot of TV. Like she is very well versed and has good taste um, in movies and TV. So I've been letting her kind of lead me. She has taken my hand and led me on an adventure. Um, I would recommend to you, if you want something that you can kind of like throw on, that's a little bit like makes you think, but isn't like heavy, 
The Netflix series We Are the Champions. It just came out like end of November. Have you heard of this? I have not heard of this. It is what a is delight. It? Okay, so it's first of all narrated by Rain Wilson, who I just love. His everything he does, like he he has such good taste and like the projects he chooses to work on are excellent. Do you know who he is? No, I Dwight don't know from most the people. Oh, okay. That see, that one does. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But he, um, just whenever I've seen him work on something that's not The Office, it's always, like, eclectic and well done and thoughtful. Um, and I just, like, think that if he's on something, it's, like, a pretty good stamp that, like, the project's probably going to be good. So he narrates it, and it's just very well done. Um, but it's called We Are the Champions, and it is just, like, a docu-series about really niche competitions. And huh. it is truly delightful. But, like, it takes this view of it where... For each competition. So, like, I watched one the other day that was about, like, hottest chili pepper eating competitions. Oh. Like, they're so niche. Um, and they're things that the public doesn't necessarily know anything about. And so they'll follow a few of the competitors and be like, why do you love this thing? How did you get started? What does this competition mean to you? And it ends up being, like, this very, like, delightful and, like, sweet exploration about, like, what brings people together. And, like, it's just – it is – beautifully shot and at the end of each episode they have like this really like lovely little moment where they kind of like sum everything up and it'll like talk about why that thing like why we we being like humanity are the champions like what brings us together what makes us special you know like it's just like beautifully done and it's like light and happy and it's just all I need right now is like it's colorful. It's bright. I feel like I'm learning. You like these people that are on it are so unique and they're just like normal people. And this is just their passion. And so they're just having a great time talking to you about it and about how whatever little competition they do. I say little. A lot of these people are like very skilled, but <laughs> it is just so cool. And it just is like one of those like random little things Netflix just put out with like an extremely like high production value that I haven't heard anything about. So. Well, yeah, I hadn't I hadn't heard anything about that. I think it might have been like I saw the title and I was like, "This is about football, isn't it?" And I didn't think anything else about it. But um. no, it's very much not about football. <laughs> but TV's been getting me through. I mean, it's just I just have to turn my brain off sometimes, and that's fair. That's what Stardew Valley is to me. Is it's just it's like colorful and positive and interesting, and I'm not using a whole lot of brain power, but I am enjoying myself, et cetera. Cetera, I've pulled out The Sims a couple times lately, which is kind of oh, dangerous true. for me. Yeah. Because um, I can easily play it for like four hours in one sitting. But I did calculate how many days I have spent playing The Sims based on the hours it has logged. Would you like to know? And yes, I absolutely would. <sighs> I'm at 27 days. I have spent. How many hours is that? 650 something. Let me check how many I. Hold on. Let me check mine. I have, now I, I have now spent. I don't know. It is as if I have gone on an island, not eaten or slept for 27 days, and instead just played The Sims nonstop. Now, when you play The Sims, do you do anything else as well, or do you just no. play The Sims? Oh, I am not a Sims, Sims multitasker. Okay. <laughs> I yeah, cannot, I'm a Sims multitasker. I can't focus. Like, if I try to listen to, like, an audiobook or a um, like podcast or something, I, I can't focus enough, and it just, like, I don't get anything out of it, so I don't multitask. It is... I don't even listen to music. It is me and The Sims. And it's I am just fully you plugged in. And like dead silence and then The Sims, like occasional little Simlish 
or their weird little music sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Like legitimately, that's it. Sometimes I'll play music if I want to. Sometimes, sometimes I'll have TV on, but I'm not watching the TV. It's just on. Yeah. Okay, this has been enough. Anyway, no, no, <laughs> what no, are we no. doing? I'm trying today? to figure out. No, I'm trying to figure out how much time I spent on The Sims. Hold on. Oh my god. Uh, my hours are 653, so I don't know what that is in days, but I mean that's like almost identical to mine. But I want to remind you that you've had The Sims longer than I have. Yes, I certainly have. Yes, I certainly have. I haven't played The Sims in, in a hot minute because I'm insane. But anyway, what are we doing today? Well, you see, gravy. It's December, and that means we've had a whole another year of reading under our belts. So we didn't do today. Oh, you ruined my flow. I ruined your flow because we didn't do the intro. How are people going to know who we are? Okay, all right. Let's try that again. How are they going to? Oh, no. Hey. (laughs) Hold on. I didn't like that. Hold on. Hello. I'm Gray. And I'm Marcy. And I'm a writer. And I'm a reader. And this is... Bookends, a literary podcast. Where we talk about... Books. I forgot a minute that I have to say where we talk about books. Um, and so my brain wanted me to go <laughs> hachicha. And I didn't, but I almost did. We can talk about hachicha too. That's hachicha. fine. All right. Hachicha. Now we can talk about what we're doing today. Okay, fine. So it's December. It's the end of the year. And that means that we have a whole nother year of reading under our belts. And uh, we have a whole nother year of thoughts. So we are going to be giving you... Thoughts and feelings and emotions. Our book recommendations of 2020. Heck Yeah. Things are a little different this year than they were last year because we only have one episode for December instead of two. So instead of splitting it up so that one episode is Marcy's Rex and one episode is mine, we are just going to do all of them right now, which means that we have less Rex than usual, but we use the same categories. So technically also twice, maybe kind of. I don't know math. Anyway, let's 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 do it. Let's get going. Woo. Woo. Psyched. <laughs> All right, so our first category is book you would recommend to your friends. Now, what did you put, Marcy? So I struggled with this category, Um, not because like I wouldn't recommend books to my friends, but I was like, are they my friends? Are they friends in general? Whose friends are they? Um, Is it just something that's a crowd pleaser? I did get caught up in the semantics, and I tried to figure out like, all right, what is how how do I interpret this category? And I selected um, my friends personally. Um, So if you are my personal friend, (laughs) 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 no, um, I picked this as really like someone of my demographic. I want to caveat this with 2020. I started out the year saying I wanted to read more classics. I did not read a single classic the whole year because 2020 pretty early on, even outside of like the global things going wrong, personally started out rough. We had a, uh, we had some family health issues come up outside of COVID at the very beginning of the year. So kind of from like the second week of January, I was like, I do not want to read anything heavy. I want books to make me smile and feel good. And that continued to be a trend for and that can the continue- rest of the year. Yeah. I essentially read almost only Chiclet this year is what I'm getting at. Me and Chiclet got real tight, got to know her very well. She got to know me. Um, and I'm not sure it's going to stop because honestly, it's a delight. It's joyful. It's fun. It's good. No shame here. It is just fun. And I'm still feeling like I just need things that are fun. So we're going to continue with that. So I'm sorry is basically what I'm saying. If you're not into Chiclet. Just, you can just ignore like half my recommendations this year. 
but it's just all but, I wanted to hey, read. If you're not into chiclet, why are you here? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, but also. So I also want to preface this this specific recommendation by saying I am somewhat embarrassed by it. But also I think if a friend asked me like, hey, I want to read a romance, I think I, I would be like, here's one for you. <laughs> so, and this was published in 2019. So it's like not a new release, but there's like two more books already out by this. So actually I think one of the sequels probably yeah, is. Probably. So my pick for the book I would recommend to my friends for 2020 is Fix Her Up by Tessa Bailey. Um, it is... This okay. So first of all, there's three books. It's one of those where it like centers around a family that owns a house flipping business. Huh. Um. So the first book is about the youngest sister. The second book is about a like the best friend whose husband also works for the business, and the third book is about the oldest sister. Um. And so like you're all kind of like revolving around this family, but they don't. You know what I mean? Whatever. So, but the first yeah. book is essentially a washed up baseball player gets injured has to go back to his hometown and he starts working for his like childhood best friend who owns this house flipping business and his little sister is no longer the like awkward younger sister she's like a grown woman um she's also a professional clown (laughs) now hold on a minute so this changes everything no one takes her seriously because she's like she's literally a clown um now i have to read this book is what I'm hearing. So the book is like this very cute romance. It's a it's a it's hilarious. It's very funny. Um, and so like that's her whole struggle is she's like, well, no one will take me seriously, but maybe if I have a serious boyfriend, someone will take me seriously. And he's like, my publicist says I need to be more of a family man because right now I look like a bad boy. And fake, so they start dating, fake, fake dating, fake dating, fake dating. <sighs> so okay. like it kind of has everything you could possibly want. It has you childhood crushes, crushes turned crushes. into like crushes childhood crushes <laughs> turned into like an adult relationship you have like jaded man whose dreams have been crushed and he must now like find a new path you have fake dating it's like it's just there's you have a clown like, you forgot the clown i forgot the clown she's a clown she's a clown. clown it's great i love it um it's also definitely r-rated which i was not Spicy. expecting to be honest based on the synopsis I just gave you. So it took me back a little bit, but it's something that I would like recommend to a girlfriend to use in the way that our grandma would use the word girlfriend. Um, <laughs> you said that and I was like, are you mama? <laughs> exactly. Like if, if like a friend of mine who I knew liked stuff like this was like, hey, what should I read? I'd be like, I have three books for you. They all came they, out from the last year. And clown is in them. And a clown is in them. Please enjoy. So that is Fixer Up by Tessa, Tessa Bailey. Um, I think I forgot to mention that this series is called Hot and Hammered. And I did not know that <gasps> until after I read the book because I got it from the library. And the library doesn't tell you the series name. <gasps> and so I only noticed it once I was on Goodreads. And that is the best thing I've ever heard. I really like that. <laughs> I really like that a lot. So I actually like want to read more by this author, Tessa Bailey, because she's not like it's not even like it's like low quality writing. Like it's quality writing. It's good writing. It's just like fun chiclet comedy. And I just props to her. Is now is there a ladder on the cover? There is a ladder on the cover. Okay. Yeah. I've seen this book around before. Yeah. I just didn't know what it was about. Yeah. It's it's joyful. (laughs) That's really good. It's just it's just funny. She's a clown. I couldn't get over She's it. A clown. 
I've never read a book with a character who's a professional clown. Yeah. I'll just go ahead and say, if you do read this book and get into the series, the second book is the worst one. You kind of have to get through that. Honestly, you don't have to read it. You don't have to, like... Yeah, it's not like... They're not continuous. continuous. So if you get into it and don't like it, you don't have to finish it. But... That's fair. So that was my book recommendation for what I would recommend to a friend. Fix Her Up by Tessa Bailey. Now, for me, for this one, you know it, you love it. I've talked about it since the day it was announced that it was coming out. Cemetery Boys by Aiden Thomas. I got to read an arc of this over the summer. And then when it came out, I got a physical copy of it, as well as the like pre-order campaign things. They're these cute little little cards with the characters on them. Um, it is a extremely good book. Uh, I I just think it's so good, and I think knowing my friends, it is something that all of them would get something out of because it is like it is of course about a a trans brujo who, in the in an effort to prove himself to his family accidentally summons a ghost who he then can't get rid of it is a little bit of adventure it's definitely a romance it is a mystery it's fun it's fantasy it's set contemporary so it's like normal worlds but there's also magic it's just like it, it is it's so well done and it's so fun and it's so heartfelt and i just really it really lived up to my expectations, which is amazing because I had really high expectations and I was so excited for this book. And I've you've been, been talking about, about this it. book for literally a I year. Just I, yes, I'm. I was so happy about it, and I'm still so happy about it. And it made the New York Times bestseller, and it's the first book by a trans author that is nonfiction and with a trans character that has made the New York Times. So did you just say nonfiction? Yeah, like this one is not a nonfiction. Oh, I was like, you were like, hold on a minute. (laughs) This book is fiction. I hate to break it to you, but this didn't happen. (laughs) No, 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 no. No, super like, like, because there have been, I'm pretty sure there have been books that were like memoirs or essays or whatever by trans authors who have made it to New York Times bestseller. But this one is a fiction book by a trans author who is on the New York Times bestseller, which is a big deal um, because that's the first time that's ever happened. And it's just super exciting and i just think the book is so good and aiden thomas has another book coming out soon and i just i just love it and i would recommend it to all of my friends most people honestly but i know that my friends would enjoy this the most i've literally been actively trying to get them to read it like when they would see my copy of it i'd be like you can borrow it if you want <laughs> no one's taking me up you're on like it yet because they're busy evangelical but... about this book <laughs> yes i am so that was a no-brainer for me so that's I actually I did. did get that book on Audible because I was like, I want to support this author. <laughs> um, and then didn't have time to listen to it at the moment and then forgot I had it. So I need yeah. to go back and actually listen to it. <laughs> I've been spoiling myself where I will listen to the audiobooks with the physical copy in front of me. So I have this sort of double double whammy of it. Um, so I have the physical copy if you want to do that as well. Eh. Uh, yeah, I'm evangelical about this. What is our next book recommendation category the book that you most want to see made into a film or tv adaptation nice what's yours (laughs) sorry my roommate is watching harry potter and i believe she's at the scene where like the basilisk is out and about like i don't know something's happening and it's very loud um so if you hear children screaming (laughs) very faintly if you hear very faint child screams don't worry it's only daniel radcliffe anyway 
It is just young Daniel Radcliffe. Um, so the book that I read this year that I'd most like to see made into a film or TV adaptation, we actually read together. Um, it Ooh. was, are you ready for it? <laughs> the Midnight Lie by Marie Rutowski. Rutkowski. I messed it up again. I did that during that episode too. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I what is about her last name, but we actually have a whole episode on this book, so I won't spend a we lot do. of time on it. But I just really like the world created in the midnight lie and i totally forgot this book is the adjacent i just now remembered is the adjacent series to like like oh one second hold on yeah it's beginning to look a lot like christmas everywhere you go I don't know how the rest of it goes. Hey, sorry, I'm back. Angelina and I did um, some tie-dye experiments, and so she had to come and show me the results of her tie-dye. <laughs> was it good? It was good. It turned out well. Nice. Um, what was I saying about the Midnight Lie? Oh, I like totally forgot that this book was a companion to the Winner's Curse series, Winner's Crime series, whatever it's called. Also by Marie. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> remember the name of it. I for, I love that. It's really good. I actually started rereading it this year, and I stand uh-huh. by it. It's just as good on the second read. It's like nice. it's a quality little like fantasy series. It's not even like really fantasy. Like there's not like really magic in it, but whatever. Um, but there is magic in the Midnight Lie, and. I just think the world is fun. I like the lesbians. I like the I like, like the lesbians. The exploration of Me this about like, my caste system. It's it's interesting. It's an interesting concept. The characters I think would translate really well to film because they're like they have like a really good obvious thing about them. Do you know what I mean? Like I think they're very charismatic. So I think the Midnight Lie would be great. I think it'd be fun. I'd love to watch like a a one season series about it. You know, limited series. A limited series. Yeah, that's what yeah. those are called. <laughs> We got words for those. We do. What's your pick? I chose You Should See Me in a Crown by Leah Johnson. I don't think I've talked about this book. Um, It is a YA contemporary that came out this year. It is fun. It is about a girl who, um, a black queer girl living in Indiana who is trying to get out and go to college, but her scholarship falls through. And so she's like, well, there's this whole prom queen competition that you can win a scholarship so guess i have to enter that now and but then she starts having feelings for this new girl who is also in the competition and it's just like really fun and i think it would translate pretty well to like you said a limited series um or a movie i think a movie actually yeah makes more sense kind of like love simon's movie um it's it is a good mix of like internal and external conflict and it's just like really well written and really fun and i really enjoyed it a lot so that is sitting on my bookshelf staring at me yeah i actually almost picked it up i got close to picking it up because my therapist and i are working on my sleep hygiene because i have insomnia um sleep hygiene is like your routine around going to sleep you actually you you have very bad sleep hygiene hey um it's true but you shouldn't say it It's like the idea that like you go to bed and you wake up at the same time every day. You don't use devices and stuff. So she was like, "Yeah, this is not." Tell me about your your routine before you go to bed. I was like, "Okay, 
um, I don't have one. Um, the closest <laughs> thing I have is that I call my boyfriend before I go to sleep every night. And she was like, all right, what about devices? I'm like, well, I mean, I use my devices. To call him. Quite literally 24-7. Right, yeah. Um, and so she's like, maybe we don't do that. She doesn't talk like that. That's just the voice that I feel like they're I wish have. that she talked like that. Although, to be said, I went through picking something off of my shelf and putting it next to my bed as an encouragement to do something besides looking at my phone before bed. Um, I have not been successful in this attempt, but maybe <laughs> I will be now that I know how much you like that book. <laughs> I Yeah, I think it's definitely good for you who likes fun things and like lighthearted things. It's It obviously, it isn't like... 100% goofy all the time because no good book is 100% one thing all the time but it is it is really lighthearted and really just a lot of fun um, yeah I and mean you, well and you really liked Simon versus the homo sapiens you know? I did like and that a, book and we've talked about this with the henna wars where we were discussing how like most people tend to just like say that something is like Simon versus because it's gay and it's like not super heavy but I do think this is one of the books that does have a lot of similarities other than those two things in it's like focus on the internal and the external and the like the it, it isn't about her coming out at all like that isn't really like she's not like oh no I'm I'm queer and that's like the whole point of it um which I which I thought was also um interesting it, it, it anyway anyway it's just really good and I think people should should read it it's also a really fun cover so I forgot that you had my copy of that and I was looking at my bookshelf as I was talking about it like where is that and that's where it is. All right. So our next category, if you're ready to move on. Oh, yes. Is the most underrated book we read this year. And mine for this year, we it's actually another one that we read together. Um, I literally, to select this, went through Goodreads and sorted by lowest rating of my read. And then mm -hmm. looked at like what I read it, what I rated it. Um, and I was surprised to find out that Infinity Sun is not that well rated. I was very surprised by that too when we were doing the episode and I was looking at the the page for it. I really don't understand why people like why it's not rated well on Goodreads because I don't think it was received badly, but something about Goodreads, the people on there, you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it didn't get the hype it deserved. I, I agree. It didn't get the hype it deserved. So that's why it's my pick for most underrated is I thought it was like a really fun, exciting book. Like it's like sort of like this magical world it's also like superhero like it's like this marriage of like magic and superheroes in like a modern setting and it like has like awesome family relationships there's a really cool cast of characters like there's a whole ensemble of people that are like interesting and fun um and it's the first of like a new series that i'm like excited to read and i'm just surprised that like it only has a 3.24 rating i think i gave it a four um, like when I click through, I don't remember. I think my actual rating was probably above that. I don't, who's to say, don't quote me on it. It's been so long since. It's been so long. Every, every month is a year. Anyway. But like looking at it in retrospect, I look at that book like, oh, that was a really good book. That was a really interesting concept. That was well executed. It was fun to read. It was a good time. It had like serious moments too that I thought gave it a really good balance. And it's just like, why didn't I hear more about it? Why isn't it rated higher? Like, what is it that people don't like about it? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been able to figure out. I haven't been able to figure that out. I really haven't. I Nothing about that was bad to me or deserved less than a four. Even, even if you're like rating system, because I think part of the things with Goodreads is that the rating system is so like personal. Like for me, 
I used to do it that I only gave five stars to a book that literally changed my life. So most books were a four-star book, but that was still really good. And that's kind of what we end up doing with this. But what I've started doing more with Goodreads is putting it as five stars, if it, even if it hasn't changed my life, because the it's so dependent on the person and just like as an author it really helps to round up like it helps with like getting people to read it because some people will see a four star and be like oh well it wasn't that good you know which is not what I'm trying to tell someone when I rate something a four star so it's it's really weird but I think that's a good pick for underrated what was your pick I chose The Sound of Stars by Alicia Dow it is a sci-fi young adult book that I believe came out this year, earlier this year. Let me check because this year's been, you know. Yeah, it came out in February. So, you know, but it is a debut and it is about a world, a an earth that has been taken over by aliens. And it is about a teenage girl who teams up with an alien who loves pop music. Um, and she runs a secret library because music and books have been outlawed. And they go on a road trip to save humanity. And it's just, it's really fun and really interesting and really quirky and weird. And sci-fi doesn't tend to do really well in YA. Not like it does horribly, but like if you're thinking about the things that are most popular, it's usually like fantasy, right? So sci-fi doesn't tend to get the amount of recognition I believe it deserves, and this came out right before everything happened, and it just it just didn't get the the recognition I think it deserved. Um, I really enjoyed it. So. It sounds like a blast. It's really fun and really weird. I wasn't expecting basically everything about it. Um, I I just I really enjoyed it. I really was surprised. Also, it's a standalone. Like there aren't. I don't think that there are any plans for a sequel. But you could definitely have made this into a series, and it was a really interesting choice to make it one book that i think i respect you it's know just, i i respect that yeah it's just really you know how i feel it's really fun so yeah check it out i think i like might have to pick that up it just sounds like a neat time <laughs> it is i have a copy of it so feel free to borrow i will steal it over christmas <laughs> <laughs> all right our next category is most fun to be fair like everything i read this year was fun <laughs> like i said i just wanted to like smile and like read interesting fun things that didn't make me feel any more than I was already feeling um the existential dread was too much so I could not add to that that being said the book I picked I actually read before COVID hit like I this book was Hmm. one of the first books I read last year and it is because of you recommending it to me it's not a new release I've (laughs) talked about it before everyone's talked about it before I'm not gonna say that much about it please for the love of god just read red white and royal blue please read red white and royal blue it's just a good time just just do it like i'm not gonna talk about it for that long like like just read it you've heard about it it's cute it's fun it's i i I like it a lot i love it actually (laughs) i recommended it to like everyone in my life so uh just read it coming out with another book soon called one last stop that you should put on your to read it looks really fun and it has like a sci-fi twist to it some time travel oh, things going on i should read it but that yeah. sounds interesting yeah so for me my most fun is another book that i read pre-covid it is reverie by ryan lasala it is a 
contemporary, but with fantasy. It's a fantasy book, but it's like not like a fantasy world. Um, it's about a guy who wakes up and doesn't have any memories of this horrible accident he's been in. And he is trying to figure out what has happened. And then there's also um, queer people. And it's really feels it's very influenced by like Sailor Moon and like magical girls. And like there's this whole dreamscape thing that's happening. It's really fun. I, I don't I don't want to tell you what it like what the mystery is because that was a lot of fun for me was going into it with very little knowledge of what the actual plot is. But um, there's an evil drag queen and she's a lot of fun. So it's just, it's a lot of fun and it's it was really well done. And Ryan LaSala's second book, Be Dazzled, is coming out soon and I need to read it because I have an arc of it and I haven't read it yet. Is Reverie that one that has like, it's like a dark blue cup cover with like bold lettering? Yes. Okay. I have had this on my to read for forever. I think just because yes. I thought the cover was really pretty and I saw that it was highly rated and I definitely thought it was a much more serious book. It's um. no, it's like <laughs> it is serious in the sense that like it's weird because it's both serious and also like Sailor Moon. Like it it is taking itself seriously, but the author isn't, if that makes sense, because these characters are going through a very real like I'm having to fight a monster or whatever, but also they're in like big Victorian dresses for some reason. You know what I mean? Like there's this it's a little bit camp, but it is still serious. It's a lot of fun. I you should read it. I re- this sounds awesome. I really should. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Also, Ryan LaSala is hilarious on Twitter. So, you know, another reason to love it, of course. What is our next, our final category? So it is best new release of the year, which is kind of the crowning category of the year. Ba-ba. And I actually have a true winner and then a runner-up that I kind of want to give an honorary mention to because I feel that, like, it, I can't not say something about it and have a year-end. So. Aww. My runner-up is the final installment of the David Bad trilogy, The Empire of Gold. Um, oh, yeah. That yeah, makes sense. I, yeah. I, I don't necessarily want to like put all the attention on it because it's an extremely successful series. Um, it did very well. But I thought it was like one of the best end-of-series books I've ever read. Like I think it just wrapped everything up. Like just I was just very satisfied with how it ended um not just that because like stuff i wanted to happen happened but just like i am very um when a series ends i like things to be wrapped up neatly you know um i don't like things to be too perfect but i like them to make sense um i like when things feel like they've come full circle i like you like it when things are earned yeah i like things to be earned i like lessons to be learned i like it to feel realistic but still hopeful and like for my characters i care about to be taken care of and I just think Esri Chakraborty is like one of the best storytellers alive right now. Um, oh, <laughs> like so that. I uh, I think she just has like an incredible gift, and so I was very happy to read The Empire of Gold. If you like fantasy and you're not reading that series, I like genuinely don't know what you're doing. <laughs> um, please read it. It is excellent in every way. I have very little criticism of it. I, For reference, I gave the first book five stars, the second book four stars, and the third book five stars. And I only had like nice. four five-star books this year. I'm very stingy with my five stars. So I did want to mention The Empire of Gold kind of as my runner-up. But my true new release, and I say this is my true new release because it is actually like fully new. It's not a continuation of anything else. Um, is another one that we actually read for the podcast. We picked really good books this year. We, re- we did um, very well. We had a few misses at the end of last year, and then we kind of yeah. turned things around. But 
A Song of Wraiths and Ruin. Stop. That's mine. <gasps> oh, no. my God. Yes. We, we do not communicate about these beforehand. No, we don't. By Roseanne A. Brown. This book deserves everything. It deserves Just, every award. It deserves every recognition it gets. It deserves every copy that it's like, ever sold. There's a reason you've probably heard of it, and it's phenomenal. Like It's so good. It's so good. I also think it's very funny. I'm looking at the Goodreads for it right now. Um, the authors that are like, if you're a fan of these authors, you like this book. No, she's better than those authors. <laughs> that is true. This is like legitimately the perfect book, in my opinion. I am so excited for more installments of this book i'm this so series. excited i think it's only two books i think it is only two books which once again i respect that yeah i just i like genuinely have no system it is one of the best like it is such an interesting world i love that it's rooted in this like african like mythology and heritage i love that it has like an really like beautiful depiction of mental illness in a way that's very realistic and also respectful i love the freaking characters i love that there's like role playing out in this book is not conventional but not in like a me 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 i'm not like the other girls kind of way um it feels genuine it doesn't <laughs> like, feel like like yes her her being quote not like other girls doesn't feel like a stab at other girls you know what i mean mm -hmm. like she just is that way it isn't the author trying to like put down other people it's just yeah who she is anyway it's everything you want from a fantasy it's everything you want from a romance it's like everything you want from a mythology based book like i just roseanne a brown knocked it out of the park in every possible way and the cover is gorgeous and the second book's cover is gorgeous too and like the, it's confirmed that they i don't know that it's confirmed that someone's making it or if they just sold the film rights but like that is the thing that is if it doesn't happen i'm gonna cry like it's phenomenal like this book made me want to get more into fantasy again like i was like i if every fantasy book i had ever read had been like this i would have been only reading fantasy because it's like, so good as someone who does enjoy fantasy i think it's really telling that my two top fantasy picks of the year were both like more diverse because the fantasy genre has been stale for a long time and I feel like we're only in the past five years getting these like fresh takes. And maybe they existed before, but they were not advertised before. They did not. They do were hard well to find. Exactly. They existed, but they were hard to find. And they weren't being like the authors weren't being supported. And so then they weren't able to make it the primary thing they were doing because they couldn't afford to. Like you, you can only write what you can afford to write if you're busy trying not to starve, you know, that's going to yeah. impact your work. And on, on the subject, the subject subject sure there came there hold on i can't speak a article came out an article came out recently talking about the like percentages and the stats around race in fiction and for, since 1950 like five percent of the books published have been by people of color like five like, percent as far as up to like like how far does that data go uh, i'm That's pretty so sure depressing. to now let me find the article and i will send it to you but it is it's it's a thing that people have been talking about um, the past couple of days on Twitter because, you know, the article is like really illuminating and like well done. Um, but like fiction is so white. YA is so white. Fantasy is so white. We've like the community and it, and they can literally track in the article that it isn't just who is being published, but it's also like who is in editing and who is in publishing and who is behind the scenes. Like they can track when, when a publishing house has even just one 
black editor, they will acquire more black books because you need to have more than just white people at every single level. It can't just be the authors. It's a whole thing that people have been talking about. But like that is a thing I've been trying to be more aware of lately as well is like, what am I reading? Who am I reading? How often am I reading books by people who are not white and that are about cultures that aren't just Western white culture, like stuff like that. And life is so much better when you're not reading another fantasy book about a white girl who is having to choose between two white boys and a government, you know, stuff like that. I don't know. But I think the, the point stands, though, that like it has been wonderful to watch these authors get get their moment in the sun. And I just hope to see more of it. Like, I'm just I'm really glad that they're they're paving the way for I'm more so diversity in their genres. So long, but I am. Yeah, so I am happy that, that these are out there, even if they're few and far between. And like, and I, even yeah. if you don't look at it as a win for like racial equality, these are good books. <laughs> yeah, even if you're taking out all of the stuff about like, not that you can ever divorce anything from the world, but if you were trying to, they're just good. They're good books on every level. And some of that is honestly because of the fact that like these authors have to really prove themselves because of the fact that it is harder to get acquired simply by virtue of it not being about a white person, which is why you have so many mediocre books by white authors, and then those authors are given another chance. And then you have, I mean, Publishing Paid Me, hashtag Publishing Paid Me was a thing over the summer. Did you know about this? Did I tell you about this? No, I did not follow this. So it was a um, conversation that a young adult fantasy author, I can't remember her name, but she she started the, the tag, hashtag Publishing Paid Me, as a way to have more transparency about who is being paid what in the industry, right? So the idea was for white um, authors to literally say what they were given for their books. Um, because when you're, when you're shrouded behind like this language of like good deal, great deal, which are like, that is like terminology for announcements with books about the, the range at which the book was bought, right? So that is talking about the money, but it doesn't say the exact amount of money. And if you don't have conversations between authors or if you only have them in your like DMs and if you're lucky enough to have a group of authors who are like also right beside you, like unless you have those things, you have no idea as an author what you are getting in comparison to other people. And so black and brown authors have been and all authors of color, but especially black and brown authors have been extremely undervalued and not even able to really like prove that they've been undervalued because publishing is like, well, we don't tell you. So how can you know? So it started this hashtag publishing paid me so that people can literally say what they got um, as a point of reference. And it was a way for marginalized authors to say, okay, well, you can't tell me that this is all I'm worth anymore because you literally paid $800,000 for one guy's literary erotica book, which is a real thing that happened. Um, an author got $800,000 to him but it was a moment of outrage for like all these other people where like nk jemison talked about how she got forty thousand for one of her books and i don't know if i've talked about nk jemison but she is like one of the best fantasy sci-fi writers like living in my opinion she's like there is no way that it makes sense to me for her to be selling her books at forty thousand, and obviously obviously like advanced advances like the amount that you get paid is a little bit more complex than like 
we paid you a lot of money and that means that we think you're worth a lot. Like it's a little bit more complex because sometimes having a really high advance can be bad because it means that you have to, you don't get any royalties. You don't see any of that money until you've paid out your advance. So the guy who had an $80,000 advance is probably going to, if he sells out of that, like if he ends up making that much money, it's going to be a hot minute, especially if the book didn't do well. So it's not, it's not just that like it maps directly onto it, but it is a way for there to be clarity in the community and to actually talk about the ways in which marginalized authors, authors of color, black and brown authors specifically are being undervalued and then being told when they complain about it, like, well, you don't know that, you know? So it's, it's a way for them to have a leg up in the community. Um, it was just a cool thing that happened over the summer that was really interesting to watch and to see people engaging with and starting to have these conversations about the the industry and what is happening behind the scenes. So, yeah, I had no idea that was going on, but I mean, we know that like wage transparency in any field is important to making yeah. sure that people who are traditionally undervalued are paid equally. Um, I hadn't. I mean, I haven't even thought about how like authors would have no way of knowing what other authors are being valued at. Yeah, yeah, and especially because like you don't really talk about here's the amount that I'm making from these royalties. Here's the amount that I got from my advance. You know what I mean? Like it's not really a thing that people tend to talk about. If they talk about how well their book is doing, it's in terms of like awards or I got on the New York Times bestseller or whatever. But even that doesn't translate to money being made. And so you would often have all of this money being thrown at these, to be honest, mostly mediocre white high like fantasy stories that were not selling well, but publishing was willing to throw a lot of money at. Um, one of the books, one of my favorite books this year, sold for 10K, period. That's an insane, that's just, like, oh my God. Yeah, like the amount of... And I don't know the whole situation because most people didn't give their whole spiel about like, oh, well, this and this and this. Like it was mostly just people being like, here's the number for this book, period. But that feels insane to me, um, especially because of how good the book was and how much better it was than any of this other stuff that I saw. Like authors be like, well, I got paid five times that amount. And I was like, those books were on equal footing if not the other one was better. Like, you know what I mean? And this is not to say that like, to make people feel ashamed for however much money they're being made or whatever like but it is showing just how it like, shows it, what the publishing company values it doesn't yes. necessarily show the what the value of the book it, yeah because it doesn't say anything about the quality of the book necessarily and it doesn't really say anything about how well it's going to do right because the advance happens before you've even sold anything so it doesn't necessarily say that those books are going to do well it but it does tell you that publishing thinks that it's going to do well enough that they can give you this amount of money. Um, and it also doesn't necessarily correlate with marketing. Like marketing can be a different thing. Um, and that's a whole nother issue is that you, even when you have these books by authors of color coming out, they aren't being marketed. And so even though they're out there, like we talked about earlier, like we briefly said, they're not being advertised and people aren't finding them because of that. And instead you have all these other books being marketed and you know, they're white books. So Anyway, I went on a long tangent. That's all right. Y'all should read a song of race and ruin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was mine as well. As I said, uh, I did have a sort of, I guess it's a runner up or maybe it's a, they're on equal footing. I'm not really sure because 
they're such different books that I was like, I love them equally, but for different reasons. So the other one is Felix Ever After by Casey Callender, which is another book that I've told you about a million times. It's sitting in my car because I did start that one. (laughs) It is. It also got um, it's being made into a TV show. So heck yes. But it is a phenomenal, phenomenal book. It is about a trans boy who is going to like an art program over the summer and someone starts blackmailing him and he's trying to figure out who's doing it. Um, there's also a very sweet love triangle done really well. It's a very well done exploration of queerness. And he's also like trying to like really figure out his gender identity at the same time because he's been identifying as a man and he's starting to think maybe maybe there's a little bit something else there as well. Um, along with his his trans masculine identity. And it's just like really well done and really good. Um, and another book that I was super excited about and that like really, really lived up to my expectations. And I'm so excited for the TV show. And I'm just recommending that to everyone in the world. <laughs> so. All right. Those have been our 2020 book recommendations. Yay. So, check them out. They were Yay. good. All right, Gravy, what, what what book do we read this week? We read Early Departures by someone. Hold on. <laughs> hmm, hold on a minute. This is not this is hey, this is not my book. You're supposed to say it. Wait, this is my book? Yes. That's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. Um LOL. Okay, hold on. I forgot I forgot their name. <laughs> Justin A. Reynolds. We read Early Departures by Justin A. Reynolds. And so now I have to read the description. Frick. Okay. Jamal's best friend Q doesn't know that he's about to die. Again. He also doesn't know that Jamal tried to save his life, rescuing him from drowning only to watch Q die later in the hospital. Even more complicated, Jamal and Q haven't been best friends in two years, not since Jamal's parents died in a car accident, leaving him and his sister to carry on without him. Grief swallowed Jamal whole, and he blamed Q for causing the accident. But what if Jamal could have a second chance, an impossible chance that would grant him the opportunity to say goodbye to his best friend? A new healthcare technology allows Q to be reanimated, brought back to life like the old Q again. But there's a catch. Q will only reanimate for a short time before he dies, forever. Jamal is determined to make things right with Q, but grief is hard to shake, and he can't tell Q why he's suddenly trying to be friends with him again, because Q has no idea that he died, and Q's mom is not about to let anyone ruin the miracle by telling him. How can Jamal fix his relationship with Q if he can't tell him the truth? Early Departures by Justin A. Reynolds. Let's get into it. So our first category is enjoyability. So I gave this a four. <laughs> um, three being average, four being above average, because I like generally enjoyed the book. I have some like actual thoughts that I'm going to get into with other categories. Um, I'll let you talk about this for a second. Let me see what you have to say. I also gave it a four. I also enjoyed the book. It felt very, I guess, easy to read in the sense that like, it wasn't easy to read in that it, it is a heavy read. It's obviously about grief primarily and second chances and family and friendship and lots and lots of things. But something about the writing style made it so that even when I, I was being given these heavy things, I was still enjoying myself. And I was still able to engage with it without it sort of really devastating me, even when I was devastated. I don't know if any of that makes sense at all, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. 
I agree with that. And I was going to talk about it more with writing style, but I'll go ahead and mention it here. Um, I was, it was surprisingly light. Um, yeah, there's, like, there's an airiness to it despite everything. Yeah. Cause it's, it's like inherently about grief and it's about like three different instances of grief. Like it's not just, it's about old grief, new grief, upcoming grief. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so you would expect this to be a book that has you like feeling really heavy and that makes you cry multiple times and like is really, really intense. And it is really not like it is so palatable. And so I think that that was like, I mean, it made it really enjoyable. The The main characters are like funny. They're teenagers. They try and like be a kind of optimistic about things. Yes, there's an optimism. That's the word I was yeah. trying to think of. Yeah. Yeah. And so overall, I like, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was like above average as far as enjoyability. Um, yeah, that's kind of all I have to say about it. Nice. Would you give balance? So here's where I got mean. Yeah. I get balance a two. Oh. Um, I just thought the pacing was really weird, hmm. to be honest. Um, I felt like we spent, it felt very front heavy to me which was weird because hmm. the stuff that happens really happens towards the last half. But I felt like the last half, especially the last like few chapters were like, and this isn't even a spoiler because it says it in the description, right. like the last bit where like Q's death is really impending. Yeah. I felt like they went by really weirdly fast. Mm. Um, and the author even says at one point, like I'm not going to give you death porn. And that's not really what I wanted. I just uh, felt like it didn't. It didn't feel uh, cohesive you just wanted front more to back. Of, yeah, yeah. You I wanted just more on the back end, not necessarily of the. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't need an actual description of like, and then the light left his eyes, right. which is what I that paragraph was. Which I actually, I actually to. did like that spe- specific moment in the book when he's like, "This I'm going to keep to myself. I'm not going to tell you." Yeah, exactly that was actually like when he died. I liked that as well. Yeah. Um, but I just felt that I, I wanted more out of it at the end than I got. And maybe that's like a reflection of the fact that I liked it. Yeah. Um, like that I liked the characters, but I, I just thought it went, just went really fast. Like the pacing was just like kind of weird for me. I agree with that. I gave it a three. I wasn't particularly, I did think it was an unconventional pacing because you're right in that it's very front heavy and it took us a long what felt like a long time to get to the reanimation, which is, you know, part of the synopsis and stuff. But I wasn't angry about it. Um, I don't know. I never felt particularly bothered by it. So that maybe that is a person by person thing. But I did notice that it was not what I was expecting in that area. So I just sort of gave it a three because I wasn't, I don't think I would have been, I don't think I would have lost anything if it had been more conventional, but I also wasn't mad about the pacing at either so just a middle of the road three for me yeah and i think that's fair and that is really i mean all of these are subjective um but Everything i had to subjective yeah you know i had to pick i knew kind of going into like there's something that's like kind of off about this book as much as i like it and i had to kind of pick a category where that felt no, most that's appropriate. Fair. so balance yeah. just kind of fit i just you know pacing is weird so i'm picky <laughs> that's fair what did you give for expectations so I actually thought this book exceeded expectations. Um, and so I gave it a four, partially because of what you mentioned about it being surprisingly light. I just, to be honest, I put off reading this book. Um, I have a hard time reading books that are like very grief centered. And 
I put them off because they're kind of unpleasant because, you know, they're about grief. Yeah. Um, but so I kind of put this one off being like, oh, okay, I guess I have to read this. Like I knew it sounded good and I wanted to read it. and It was my pick. But and then I started and I was like, wait, this is like so weirdly not sad. Like, yeah, even when it is sad, it isn't crushing. I think it handles it really well. Like, I just really think that Reynolds hit, like, a really good, like, happy ground between, like, giving respect to the weight of the situation while also, like, keeping it palatable and enjoyable to read, um, which I think takes, like, a lot of talent and skill to do. So I thought that was really great. And in that way, it really exceeded my expectations because I thought it was going to be a lot heavier than it was. And I think it was good that it wasn't as heavy as I thought it was going to be. Um the other thing that I really liked about it um, was I just like enjoyed the brain teaser of the ethical dilemma that the whole thing was. And I kind of like didn't oh, yeah. realize how big of a deal that was going to be. Yeah. Um, I kept thinking about it when we talk in like medical school, we talk about these medical ethical dilemmas because obviously reanimation doesn't happen. But I mean, end of life care is a real ethical uh, mess. <laughs> deciding what's best for someone when they can't say what's best for them if they don't have a will family having to make decisions about what's going to happen to someone and so I actually found this book despite it being about bringing a dead person back to life to be so shockingly grounded um Hmm. the grief portion of it was really grounding their relationships were really real um the like even though the like scenario is like kind of sci-fi the like principle of it i think is actually like has a lot of weight um and it's actually like kind of applicable like i think there's lessons to be learned from the book do you know what i mean yeah and i was just surprised because i actually was almost expecting it to maybe even go into magical realism a little bit that was i was expecting a little bit too and it yeah super didn't it didn't it was not magical it was purely science that brought him back um And I just like thought that it was like the whole world was normal except this one thing. And I thought that it actually made it as opposed to it being like if this happened in the future where this could always happen. Like it just made it really it felt really real and grounded in reality and very relatable despite being in like extraordinary circumstance. And so, you know, what? actually, I'm going to change my expectations to 4.5. I've talked myself up. Oh, I gave it a four. Uh, largely for those same reasons, also because I read Reynolds' other book, Opposite of Always, and I did enjoy that one. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as this one. I think I I liked this one more, and so I was sort of using that as a base of like, this is what I should expect, and it was even better, um, which is always, it's always very wonderful when an author's second book is even better than their first, because it's like, your first one was already really good, and now you're just getting even better with every like book that you come out with. That's awesome. So that is part of it the other part is the way that grief is handled and there's something about the optimism in Reynolds writing this was also present in opposite of always even when everything is bad and the things that are happening could go very dark there's always a little bit of hope which I think is really important when you're writing young adult and I think is something that I don't think every single young adult book has to have this but I do think this is an example of how different a book can be just based on who you're writing it for because of this same premise and the same exact, like all the plot points were happening, but it was written as like literary fiction or something. It could be so different and I think would have the ability to crush the reader. And this one does not, which isn't to say that like 
if it did crush the reader, it wouldn't be a good book. But that is an element of the book that I wouldn't want to lose because I personally enjoyed it so much. And I think it is really useful to have books about grief that don't that don't make you feel like you're suffocating under them. Because grief is already like that, right? So if you're looking for something to help you through your own, why would you want it to just hurt you more? You know what I mean? And so when you want yeah. something for yourself, when you're going through something like this and you're experiencing something like this, I think having options like early departures where it is still dealing with it, but it and it and it does still have like all of those elements, but it isn't going to emotionally devastate you, I think is really useful. So all the other books I've I've read personally that deal really heavily with grief have been emotionally devastating. Yeah, and this book is not masochistic. No. Yeah, there is a real element of like if I'm going to keep it positive and I'm not going to sort of dwell in the pain, I'm going to acknowledge the pain and I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to feel it, but I'm that's not the point of the book. The point of the book is not to feel sad and to to be grieving. The point is everything else as well. And really that second chance is really a star of the book is really the, the center point. Um, so all that to say, my expectations, I gave it a four. All right. The next category is writing style, um, which I just very happily gave it a four. Um, I think like sentence by sentence is enjoyable in this book, but the real reason I gave it a four um, was I think this book is one of those examples that we've mentioned a few times of something doesn't have to be flowery to be beautiful writing. And I, I think this was a really good example of that. It's like very accessible. It's not intimidating. It's YA. So it's not trying to reach really high or be really obnoxious um it's not the point of the book is not the sentence by sentence but that doesn't yeah. mean that the sentence by sentence isn't still beautiful there's still a lot of like hard hitting like quotable moments where you're like wow yeah that's like a truth about the world um but they're not shrouded in metaphor <laughs> you know yeah and i really yeah. appreciate like the simplicity and like efficacy of that like Reynolds gets his points across well without using more words than he needs to, without making it more complicated than it needs to. And it still is like able to resonate with you. And I think that's like a skill. So give it a four. I also gave it a four basically for those exact same reasons. I think Reynolds is an amazing writer. Um, both of the books have had that same sense of like, I'm going to drop a truth bomb and then keep going. You know what I mean? Like, there it is. You've been devastated. All right. On to the next thing in a really interesting way that I think works really well. Um, and I really like the way that Reynolds writes teenagers. I I just enjoy them. I also think that that element of fun along with all of the heavy topics that are also happening because opposite of always is also dealing with heavy things and like a sci-fi element or fantasy element, I guess. Um, so all that to say that I liked it. <laughs> I gave it a four. All right, up next is memorability right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so memorability, I gave it a three. I don't know. Three is average. I, I think this kind of came from like the concept was unique and the writing was good. Um, I actually finished it over a week ago now and I've already forgotten some of the characters names and like some of the details. Um, so that kind of indicates to me, this is going to go down in my memory as just like a normal I remember the concept and my impression and unfortunately I think that comes from some of the pacing stuff yeah uh, I think it's just because it was a little brief for me but I'm also the kind of person who reads 700 page books happily so like that is yeah. very 
personal. Um, <laughs> so I just kind of gave it a three for average. I felt like I kind of gave it points in other categories. So that seemed sort of appropriate. I gave it a 3.5. I agree with that. It's been a hot minute since I've read this, but I still remember obviously the concept. And there are a few scenes that really stick out in my head that I can't really talk about for spoiler reasons. So I'm going to include, I'm going to make that a 3.5 because a three for me is like impression, kind of general concept, and like that's it. Uh, 3.5 is like, I remember like, scenes specifically some of them so a little above average believability the category i always struggle with um so uh, i really did this one is this hard this one is hard um i'm not gonna give or take away points for like the sci-fi concept because i think like you just have to accept that as part of the book i mean yeah Otherwise, the whole thing kind of falls apart. Um, so I'm more focused on like the human relationships here for believability. And for that, I'm going to give like a 3.5. Like a 3.5. I think I'm also going to give it a 3.5. It feels right. I don't have like, I, a concrete yeah. reason. But it feels like an above average believability, but not like the best I've ever read. You know? Like I thought like on one hand... It was a really, I've said it already, palatable, really like optimistic, healthy depiction of grief and those feelings. And like that kind of representation is important because teenagers feel those things too. Um, but I also felt like some of the interpersonal relationships could be like a little bit like cheesy for lack of a better word at times. Like some of the dialogue and like yeah. stuff like that. I could just be like, ah, it's like a little it's like a little cringe, like a but little also like point. it's sweet. So like for that reason, I'm just gonna have it like kind of balance out to a 3.5. <laughs> I yeah, there's a specific moment that I am remembering of an interaction between them where I was like, I'm not angry that this happened, but this did feel a little bit unrealistic, I guess. Or or I was a little bit confused about why it happened so quickly. But, like, that was, like, basically the only moment of that. And so I'm not going to, like, really dock off any points for that. So, because I felt like the emotional reality of the characters was so yes. done. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. So 3.5 for me as well. I think the term the emotional reality, like, describes a lot of things that we try and talk about. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun phrase that I've been picking up on. I've just been, like, repeating things my teachers say a lot recently. And I just think that's fun. Like, the creative well. I don't know what that means. I am going to say though. <laughs> the creative well. I've never heard that before. Well. So all together, that brings my overall rating to a 3.5, which I believe I gave it a four on grades. I think I rounded up. So that feels like right to me. It's like an above average book that I think has some things that are really awesome about it. Um, and has some things that I didn't like all that much, but not to the point where I like wouldn't read another book by this author again. Like I think if like I see something else by Justin Reynolds, I'm gonna be like, yeah, he's a really good author, and I would like to read his his work. So, yeah, I mean, I have a copy of his other book. Today's episode is just me recommending physical copies of books that I own to Marcy. Mine rounded to a three point six, so basically the same thing. It's a little little bit above, which which I think is accurate of how we felt about the book. So, so our overall is a three point five five, which is yeah. like, yeah, it was a good book. I yeah. enjoyed it. I'd recommend it. 
above an, an above average book, a good book, I would recommend it to people. I would read a book by this author again. Boom. And I just want to say the emotional reality was really stellar in this book. So just remember that. I, I, I gave it a 4.5 for expectations. So it has like stuff about it that I think is like really worth your time. Yeah. We, we, I don't think we've had, I don't think we've ever, have we ever had a book on here where we were like, we wouldn't recommend this? Maybe the, maybe the, uh, the kiss, the one, the kiss one. Uh, yeah. I, was, I think I can yeah. think of some. <laughs> I think, I think maybe that one. <laughs> but, but, but she's doing part, fine. She doesn't need our help. <laughs> she yeah. She doesn't need us to recommend it. But, um, but all that to say, like, when we give things a 3 or a 3.5, that's still a good book. Like, it is hard to write a book that is a 3 and above. You know what I mean? Like, this is still a book that you should read. So don't don't take it not being a 4 or a 5 as proof that you shouldn't read it. You should definitely still read it if it sounds interesting to you. So Yeah, I think that yeah. I think you should read it. I, I, I think, think you should read it. I think it's good. So I think it's good. And I'm glad I read it also. <laughs> Me too. It was on my TBR before we decided to do it for this. So I'm glad that, that I finally got around to it. All right. But that wraps up 2020 for us. <sighs> what a year. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, they're supposed to be like, 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 like a vaccine now. So like things are actually getting better. Don't jinx it. I'm, I'm not jinxing it. I can't jinx it. Don't jinx it. I'm not jinxing it. Don't jinx it. I didn't Isn't say the world jinxing- was- Jinxing is such a horrible concept. It's like trying to punish you for optimism. You know? That kind of sucks. I mean, I don't think I don't think jinxing is trying to do anything. I think we just say jinxing. Well, yeah, but I mean like people being like, you're gonna jinx it. It's like stop being optimistic. It's like me saying that isn't gonna make the world not do it. But also maybe it will. I don't know. Yeah, who anyway. do, who who am I to know who am that I to or know not? The, the world's will and whether or not they get mad when I'm a little bit optimistic about something. Anyway. Anyway, we have some weird things happening. What are mm-hmm. they? What wait? What weird things do we have happening? The whole changing our format. Oh, I thought we were making an announcement about that. Well, I mean, just sort of the basic parts about it. Oh, okay. The fact that um, we're only going to do. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So we've kind of reassessed things. Um, as mentioned, eight hundred times. I'm very busy now, and so we are like officially moving to a once a month format. Just for my own sanity. Um, the good news about that is that means that we can also move to a slightly longer format. So we can have a little bit more flexibility with our length of episodes um, and it can get a little bit longer, which leaves us space for maybe some more in-depth segments, um, more discussion, um, things that are more educational. So look forward to just one episode a month, which is sad, but hopefully higher quality and like more substance each of those episodes so that'll be starting moving forward i guess it's sort of now already but officially starting in january the other thing is that we are going to ditch our theme thing going on because you know we can't do two a month anymore and it doesn't really make sense to take two months to do one theme that takes too long so we are not doing a theme but we are going to be focusing on new releases so our goal now is to try and read books that have come out within the past couple of months so we will be more engaged with the community and be talking about things that you as a reader will hopefully already have um your eye on see in the bookstore etc etc so yeah and we're hoping that frees up some space for um flexibility with our segments too because i don't have to like stick to a theme <laughs> yeah we don't have to just be talking about pirates or whatever. 
We can talk about other things as well. So all that being said, the next book we are reading in January of 20. Oh my God. I just realized I wrote in my notes, January, 2020. It's nope. January, 2021. That's wild. Let me just what if change we, what that if the little clock buddy is there. Just like, no, it's 2020. So you should do it over. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. A it's been a bad year. You, you have to do a redo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Try again. You failed the grade. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you have to do the course over. Yeah. So for January 2021, we're going to be reading These Violent Delights by Chloe Gong. Um, My pick. Which I am, yeah, Grace pick. I am quite excited for it. So I think it's both of us have had our eye color. on it for a while. It's beautiful. It and is she's so real, young. She Yeah, she's like my age-ish. Um, I follow her on Twitter. So that's sort of exciting for me to be like, hey, similar boat. Similar boats that we're in. But a quick overview of the book is it is a Romeo and Juliet retelling with monsters set in 1920s Shanghai. So it's like super cool. And I'm very Sounds excited like a good time. It. Yes. So cannot wait to do that. So that is These Violent Delights by Chloe Kong, which we're going to be reading in January. And yeah, we will see you then. Thanks so much for being with us this year and for hanging out with us and listening to us talk about garbage and things that are not garbage <laughs> both of those two categories and everything we say fits into one of those two categories this is so. a true statement more <laughs> off one of them a little heavier than the other i but think one of the one of the only true dichotomies so is garbage and not garbage <laughs> yeah things that are good and things that are not good um i didn't say good and not good and that garbage is true. And not garbage. those are different those are different those are different things so thanks for right. being with us, and we hope you will join us in 21 as we continue to read books. Because people are just going to keep coming out with good books. Just going to keep making them, and we're going to keep it's very exciting. them. It's very <laughs> exciting. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.